Last week we got to chapter 2 and I got halfway through a text. I want to come back and review part of that and finish that text, Lord willing, and I do ask for your prayers. Paul began... Paul. I've preached from Paul so long. Peter. Peter began with wherefore laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. This text is going to teach us what we are and where we stand being Gentiles in the flesh regarding the church of God. A lot of people desire to take everything that is written in the Scripture that regards salvation and apply it to eternity. This text, while it does apply to eternity, is primarily speaking of the church in the world. As we go through here, we'll go back to Ephesians 2 and have you understand that, Lord willing. The text being given is about the children of God in the church. And if you remember Paul in Ephesians 3 telling us that by revelation from God in Christ that He was giving us the understanding of the mystery that was kept secret from the foundation of the world that the Gentiles were now brought into that God had a people among the Gentiles. And while this was a totally new revelation and that God had a people among the Gentiles who had been considered dogs and heathen up until this point by the physical nation of Israel, not only in eternity... Because every child of God was chosen before the world was. Jew or Greek, Jew or Gentile. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. And He said in John 6, No man cometh unto Me except the Father which hath sent Me. Draw Him. That tells us that we come to God In Christ, God draws us. We're brought to God in the finished work of Jesus Christ through the grace and mercy of God. But we also must remember in that same John 6 where He said, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent Me. And this is the Father's will which has sent Me. This is relating to election that of all which He hath given Me, I should lose nothing, but I would lose nothing but raise it up again at the last day. The election of grace. This was given in the knowledge of eternal grace, the eternal kingdom above, but also here in the world coming into the church of God, which is primarily again what this text is dealing with and how we are to live in this world. Paul is telling these people to turn away from these things because they're children of God. 
Brother Michael last night made great reference to the we should be thankful for everything we have in God because all we have is in the work of Him. The song we sing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Everything we have that is good and everything we have that is perfect is in Christ. There's no way to know God. There's no way to come to God except in Christ. That's why He told us to desire the sincere milk of the Word. The Gospel, although it is eternal, going back to Galatians 3, because the Gospel of 4, or the Scripture of 4, preached the Gospel unto Abraham before there was a law, before Moses ever wrote the books of Scripture. The Scripture existed. It preached to Abraham that he would be a father of many nations through faith. Faith being a fruit of the Spirit, all in the work of God. But the Gospel in coming to us and to those of Judea which had been under the law until the time of Christ People say, when did the church begin? You find that in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It came with the Gospel. This was new to the Jews, and it certainly was new to the Gentiles. He tells us, and I'm going to skip on down, speaking of Christ to whom coming as unto a living stone. The stone which was set. We spoke last week about this. Steve did a great job teaching us about the Old Testament temple. That was given as a place of worship. It was a place that was manifested by the heathen, to the heathen, to the Gentiles, and to the Jew although the Gentiles could not come in, there was a a sign, if I may use that word, entering into the temple, that to come into the temple was death to a Gentile. There was a sentence of death. They could not come unto God. They could not know God. They could not see God. They could not hear God. They could not fellowship with God. That was given to the elect of God, which at that time was manifested in Israel. And the temple was there that it might be seen and might be known. Child of God, while we live in this world, Peter is exhorting us to live lives holy. We cannot approach unto holiness. We cannot approach unto the righteousness of God. But God has imputed His righteousness upon us in Christ. There's no other way. And as we strive to walk in godliness as Christ walked in this world, it is manifested to those around us, both children of God and both those who are without the kingdom, that we're different. We don't walk as the other people in the world. We seek after Christ, our God, our Savior, our life, our resurrection, our Redeemer. And we seek to walk in Him and as Him, and in that Christ is glorified. Speaking of Christ, to whom coming as unto a living stone, 
That temple was made out of stones. We made mention last week of the twelve stones of the altar and how they were made of earth. They weren't shaped with men's hands, teaching us of the elect of God. That's the same today. Only the elect of God can know God or come to God or come to the church, both Jew and Greek, Jew or Gentile. The Lord is the stone. That city was built, and we talked a little bit about this last week, but I want to go a little deeper into it and review. When you form a house, when you build a house, Hebrews 3 tells us that every house is built by some man. But God is the Maker of all things. The Creator of heaven and earth. He created the very air we breathe and the ground that we stand upon today. The Lord is that stone. When they built the Old Testament temple, they had to lay a cornerstone. When you build a house you have to build a coin. You have to lay a stone. You have to lay a place to begin. You drop the plumb bob on the string. It marks the spot. You put forms around it to lay the foundation. You lay the strings across the two by fours and one by fours that you put up to mark the corner. And from that point, the house is made. The Old Testament law service, although it was founded upon God and Christ, for He is the law of God, the testimony that's in the ark that God wrote with His own fingers, the testimony that God writes upon your heart, everything is about Christ. But it was based on the law that God gave to Moses. Let's talk a little bit about that. That was built on the law. No man can keep the law. The law was given that we might know by grace sin. When sin, when grace came, God revealed unto us His righteousness in Christ and therefore our sin and the exceeding sinfulness of sin. And we began to see the grace of God. This is why the old slave trader coming across the sea with men in chains beneath them to be sold and heard them singing, penned the words when he was touched of the Spirit of God, Amazing grace, how amazing it is. This stone that the church is built upon today is Christ. It is the fulfilled law of God. It is the finished work of Christ. That's where it's marked upon the ground. That's where the point of the plumb bob fell. It is true. It is righteous. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is Christ. All things we have in the preaching of the Gospel is in Christ. What do we preach? Christ and Him crucified. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
to whom coming as unto a living stone. You've got to understand that it's built upon Christ. Ephesians 2, we'll touch on that momentarily. Before I do, let me give you something to look at. Let's go back to the law. Go to Ezekiel 13. I'm not going to read all that. I won't have time, but I'm going to touch on it. Ezekiel 13 and God condemning the priesthood of those under the law because they justified themselves not by God, not by Christ, but through Moses and Abraham being descendants of Abraham who kept the law of Moses. Our father Abraham, you remember in John 5, they did not look to Christ. He made Himself the Son of God. They hated Him for it. Did not even realize the Trinity of God. Did not realize the Son of God. Did not realize the living Word of God. Not knowing the Trinity. Not knowing Christ to whom all things are revealed. This is what they were in in the hypocrisy of man, in the nature of man, in the fallen state of Adam as it was given unto them in the temple to worship God. Now you understand this. Begin reading in verse 10 of Ezekiel 13. Because even because they have seduced my people, saying peace when there was no peace, and one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. What is the kingdom? What is the city? What is the temple? It is the kingdom of God. It is a walled city. It has a defense. God defends us. God fights for us. These men built walls in their religion, walls of hypocrisy, walls of man keeping the law, primarily them because everybody else was beneath them in what they taught. They daubed it with untempered mortar. They rubbed dry cement on the outside. You can build a house of block. The house has to have some, the block has to have cement to hold it together. It has to be properly mixed. It has to be mixed with all water. And it's not daubed on the outside. To daub it on the outside may look it, may, may cause it to look pretty to the eye. The winds of doctrine in the world. But it has nothing to hold it together. It has nothing to give its strength. And when the wind blows, and God says in Ezekiel 13, I will cause the wind to blow. I will cause the hail to come. And it shall fall. Because it represents the law and Christ fulfilled the law. They had tempted the children of God and led them astray and seduced them, saying, what? Peace, peace. There's no peace in this world to a child of God. The only peace we have is here in the kingdom of God and the knowledge of Jesus Christ with the Spirit of God flowing from breast to breast, with the love of God flowing from breast to to breast. Well, why should I come to church? Because here is where God manifests Himself through the preaching of the Gospel and God feeds your soul with manna from above. 
God said, I'll cause this to fall. You can read that and think about it. But with that said, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Christ is the cornerstone. We were afar from God. Verse 19, Ephesians 2. Now therefore you are no more strangers without God in the world, foreigners to the kingdom of God. This is about the kingdom of God in the world. This is about the preaching of the Gospel. This is about the church. The word means the assembly of the saints as they come together to worship God who is worthy of our worship, who is worthy of our praise. Because He created all things and we are fallen creatures, yet in His grace, in the election of grace, in the eternal purpose of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He hath loved us and saved us and brought us unto Him. We had absolutely nothing to do with that. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, the worship of God, Israel, old Israel exists no more in the eyes of God. The new Israel is a spiritual Israel. The old Israel was a nation. We can trace their history. We can see where two kings in jealousy fought once against another in the sense of taking people to different places. Rehoboam and Jeroboam, we can see where when the ten and a half tribes went north, the leader raised up calves and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, and to have them worship there instead of going back down to the house of Judah and worshiping in the temple that God commanded to be built under the law of Moses. Men corrupt everything, okay? We can see that in history. We're, that Israel exists no more. That was a nation, a theocracy of Israel. Today is a spiritual Israel. This church has been here for over a hundred years on these rocks it's built upon. I'd love to have so many people here we had to build a new building. And I truly would. But that does not seem to be the case. But I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful to be here. But this building, or a new building, is not the church of God. You, brethren, are the church of God. Brethren, sisters, old, young. You are the church, for your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is a spiritual kingdom where God, by His Spirit, communes with us in Christ. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. The saints, spiritual Israel the household of God. Let that sink in. The house that Christ, and although Moses was faithful in his house, Hebrews 3, the Son is even more faithful in His house, the household of God. 
You are the household of God. God is within you. When God writes His law upon your inward parts, you're taken from the nature of Adam into the nature of Christ. You're taken from death and sin and brought into life. You're quickened. Christ is life. The knowledge of Christ is life. To know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent, that is life eternal. And are built upon, here we go, the foundation. You want proof we're talking about preaching? Do you remember going through Revelation? We came to the point in chapter 19 where the walls, on the walls of the city are the names of the apostles and the tribes of Israel. I'm going to tell you something. When you stand in heaven in immortal glory... The apostles have absolutely nothing to do with you being there. The tribes of Israel have absolutely nothing to do with you being there. That is all Christ. It's in the blood of Christ. It's His work. The Father gave Him to do where He died and saved every one of you. And on that day we'll raise your body up and there we will stand with Christ. He is the light that will light the city. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's all about Him. When He says the wall has the foundations or have the names of the twelve apostles, that's representing the church here in the world and are built upon the foundation of the apostles. Who were they? Those that Christ ordained to send forth into the world kingdom, the worldly, the kingdom in the world. There's a better way of saying it. To establish the gospel and the church, the gospel upon this rock, Christ. I will build my church. The cornerstone, Christ. And are built upon the foundation, what they preached, what they taught. I don't need to come here and tell you how good I am because I am a wretch. The Bible teaches me that. I don't need to come here and tell you that you have to do something to become a child of God because the election of grace disputes every bit of that. You had no choice being born of your parents. You have no choice being born of God. Nature teaches that. I'm here to teach you Christ Jesus and Him crucified. The living Word of God which was made flesh and dwelt upon uh, this earth, dwelt among us. We're built upon the foundation, the doctrine and practice established by Christ in the revelation of Jesus Christ, of the apostles and prophets. All the law and the prophets were until John. Okay? What's that teach us? Everything in the law and prophets was fulfilled with John. 
preparing the way for the Lord and the Son of God coming into this world to save His people from their sins. Yes, it's built upon that. All the Old Testament prophesying of the coming of Christ. But there are also prophets you find in the New Testament day. He gave some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, some apostles. We're left today with pastors and teachers and evangelists hopefully from time to time. But the apostles and prophets... Their purpose is finished. They establish the church. They establish the doctrine. We've gone through book after book after book and all we see is Christ the cornerstone and Him crucified. He is worthy of our praise. It's He that walks with you. It's He that gives you comfort in the darkness of the night. It's He that loves you and lifts you up when you've turned away from God and turned your face from Him and fallen in misery. It's He who saves you. It's He who lifted you up from the miry clay. It's He who comforts you when you've lost a spouse, a mother, a father, even God forbid, a child. It's He. It's He who loves you and has for eternity. We're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. This is the church in whom all the building of the church fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. You read Ephesians 4, it calls us the body of Christ. Here He's calling us the temple. Makes no difference. Still the children of God. It's still the temple of God. Because God dwells in us. And I give you that to make the point. How are we edified? How do we grow? How do we function and live? Ephesians 4 tells us, built up in love. First and foremost, the love of Christ who is God manifest in the flesh. How can a man or a woman, I don't care if they're in the womb like John the Baptist or if they're Methuselah and died at an old age, how can anyone whom God has revealed Himself to to the point of seeing our sin and seeing the righteousness of the Christ, the glory of the Godhead laid aside and coming to this world to die for you. How can we not love Him? How can we not love Him who loved us in eternity? We're built up in love. Now, let me say this before moving on. Satan walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Okay? Let's not leave that point out. We have struggles daily. 
But the whole building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. As we come together in the assembly in the church and we love each other and we serve each other and we worship together and we worship the same God by His grace, we all know the same thing. We know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He loved us without beginning and He loves us without end and there is nothing, absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we grow together in that love. How can we stand today in love with joy in our hearts with the way this nation that we've grown up in, which by the way exists no more, has fallen so far down in such evil and such darkness, how can we still have joy today in Christ? How can we still have love today with all this around us persecuted by Satan? Christ, in whom ye also were built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. God dwells within you. To him coming as into a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God. I mentioned this last week, my servant, mine elect, whom I uphold. He was a servant of God because he came into the world, lowered himself in obedience to God, humbled himself to the death, even the death of the cross. He's precious to God, he's precious to us. He died to save us from our sins, he is precious. He was disallowed indeed of men. The Jews, which was all that left, there was Israel, but there's only one tribe left, the Judea, so the name Jew stuck to all of them. That's not being anti-Semitic, that's teaching you Scripture. Christ Himself from the tribe of Judah, okay? Making the point, those men that were left there in the religious service of God, disallowed Him as being the stone, the stone which the builders rejected. Those men were here to build a temple. It had been destroyed, was being built again at the time Christ came, and would be destroyed again finally in A.D. 70, completely done away with. Oh, they're all looking for a new one now with all this so-called climate change and global warming. The Euphrates is dried up. And we're going to see something happen there. And the temple's going to be built again. All that is behind us. If you remember the Euphrates drying up, refers to the point where the Mohammedans crossed over the Euphrates and attacked the Pope. Ye also are lively stones. Here we go. First of all, we're stones. We're not bricks. Bricks come out of a kiln. They're all made together. Stones are all different. I like to think of stones as being the ones out in the yard you pick up. Boys love to pick up rocks. Some of them are big, some are little, some are shiny, some are dirty, some are round, some are porous. We're all different. Both genders and every race, every people, every tongue, every family that God has a people from a mom. Not the dead stone 
dug from the ground that was laid in the foundation of the Old Testament temple, which by the way, every one of those stones came from outside the land of Israel. That represents the Gentile church who were brought into the land of Israel in the spiritual house. We're lively stones. Remember verse 1, begotten again unto a lively inheritance by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The cornerstone is alive. This is the Gospel which we preach. Christ is the cornerstone. He laid His life down. He raised it up again. He liveth forevermore. It was not possible that death could hold Him. We did not kill Him. He laid His life down. He raised it up again. We are spiritual stones. We're lively stones. In His resurrection, we have life. We're built up a spiritual house in Christ. Who is the builder? This is the church of God. The spiritual church. And holy priesthood. We are here sanctified. Separated. Remember chapter 1. Sanctified. Separated from the other people. They're left in their own state of nature. By God. To worship God. To praise God. What does a priest do? He, he does the service of God. We do the service of God. Something Michael Goad said last night, I like so much about offering our life as a sacrifice. You make a sacrifice to get up and come to church. You get a, make a sacrifice not to sleep late on Sunday morning. You make a sacrifice to get clean and put on your good clothes, whether they're blue jeans or whether it's a suit. You bring what you've got that's decent to cover your body when you appear before the Lord. It's a sacrifice. We're built up a spiritual house, an holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices, to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, to walk separately from the world. That's why Peter is telling us to refrain from the things that other people who are left in the nature of Adam do. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Our works are accepted by the Father in Christ. My prayer cannot approach unto God except through Christ. The best I can do in this world falls short and would condemn me to the lake of fire except through Christ. That's called grace. Wherefore, also, it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay. Who? God. In Zion. Where is that? The church. David took the stronghold of Zion. Okay? That represents the church. I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. He is the chief. He's the Creator of heaven and earth. He is the living Word by which the worlds were framed. Hebrews chapter. 11, He's the chief. And He laid down His life for us. This is what the whole Gospel is built upon and based upon. Christ. I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, chosen of God, 
and precious to God and precious to us. And he that believeth shall not be confounded. You won't be finally and forever led astray. You won't be confused because Christ teaches you and Christ keeps you. Unto you, you child of God, therefore which believe He is precious, if you are a child of God, if you love God, if God has revealed Himself to you by writing His law upon your heart, if you sit under the sound of the Gospel on the Lord's day and you listen to God's messengers which He sends and He calls and He enables to you to teach you of Christ by the holy writ of the Scripture, He is precious. Has God taught you about Christ? Christ is precious to you. But unto them which be disobedient, primarily speaking of Jews, in the day of Christ, the stone which the builders disallowed, this man Christ crucifying, the same is made the head of the corner. The church of Christ, the church of grace, the beginning, the starting point is Christ. Therefore, everything which is built upon Christ stands. It cannot fall. And I'm talking about true doctrine. Christ. Nothing else. The blood of the Lamb. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. What did Paul say? To the Jews, he was a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But unto us which believe, Christ is the power, the wisdom of God. It was a foolish thought to the natural man among the Greeks that because one man died, that they would all who God loved. Be saved. That was foolishness to them. They had armies of men that people cowered from because of their power and their cruelty. How could the death of one man change anything? To them, it was foolishness. To the Jew, it was a stumbling block. And that's the important part. A rock of offense. It caused them to stumble in being taught and in hearing through the Gospel that the living Word of God was made flesh, that Jesus Christ, whose Father was God, whose mother was the Virgin Mary, it caused them to stumble as they justified themselves by the law. Wake up, children of God. The winds of doctrine taught in the world today Deny the power of the Christ of God putting that choice or that work in your hands. It's blasphemous. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They were offended that they were not saved purely because they were the seed of Abraham. They were offended because 
they were taught they were sinners when they justified themselves. It was offensive to them to know they were sinners. That's why Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. To those He revealed Himself to, they understood they were sinners and the only hope they had was in the man Jesus Christ. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the Word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Isaiah 6. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. God sent Him to preach a message to Israel which was not pleasant in one sense. Blind their eyes, deafen their ears, lest they see and hear and be converted. They were blind, would be blinded of God. Romans 9 teaches us they were fitted to destruction. They were in the nature of Adam. They fitted themselves as well as every natural man does to destruction because it pleased God to leave them exactly where they were in the fallen nature of Adam. And that text in Romans 9 is speaking of God's wrath upon them and also speaking of the vessels of mercy who stand in the grace of God. They were appointed to that. They were appointed to their unbelief. They were appointed to being blinded. They were appointed to be cut off. But remember, Christ would gather the lost sheep of the house of Israel from among them. And He's talking to the church. says, but ye are chosen generation." 118th Psalm, this is the day the Lord hath made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. What day was that? Bind the sacrifice with cords under the altar. Christ was bound to the cross by the everlasting covenant of grace between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the Lord's doing. It's His work. Your chosen generation. That's not saying the Lord chose everybody that's going to come into the church. God adds daily such as should be saved. Why is there falling away? Why are men not in church? You can read the parable of the sower and see we're led aside by the things of the world and also offenses. You can read that and think about it. And you can surely understand that we fall away because of our nature and because of what we do. None of it is because the Lord. The Lord did not set you here except to love you and to be with you and to fellowship with you. When we leave, it's our fault. When the church suffers, it's our fault. The buck stops here. Yet God 
is faithful and God in Christ preserves a remnant, a residue of the seed of spiritual Israel that shall be accounted for generations. Your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, your kings and priests. Do you understand that? They're two different offices. A king cannot be a priest. A priest cannot be a king. Yet they're brought together in Christ. How are we kings? Because we live and reign over sin and death in this world. Revelation 5, through Jesus Christ. How are we priests? Because God has enabled us and caused us. It is His work that we seek to worship God and praise Him for which He is worthy while we live in this dark, sin-forth, sin-cursed earth. We're kings and priests, a royal priesthood and holy nation. They were a nation, Israel. We're a nation of God spiritually, a peculiar people, a special people, a blood-bought people. Peculiar. That you should show forth the praises of Him. This is why we're created. To show forth the praises of Him. What will we do in glory? We don't know. It's unlawful to even know it while we live in this body of sin. But here and there we have a small glimpse. A restitution. That means a restoration of all things. Second Peter 3, new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness and no sin. What will it be like? We don't know. What will we do? We don't know. We know this and it's enough. We know we'll be satisfied. 17th Psalm, last verse. And we know that we shall see Him as He is, and that's enough for me. That is enough for me. And we know that we will praise God in heaven and immortal glory in whatever way it pleases Him in a new heaven, in the new earth, in mansions Christ has prepared for us His people. I'm going to tell you, I live in a 1980's Jim Walter house. I've never had a mansion. But I know I've got one. And I'm not faulting my house. I'm thankful to have it. Raised two children and a dozen grandchildren there. Love it dearly. But we've got mansions in glory, brethren, okay? You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show for the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light which is in Christ which in time past were not a people. We were not a people. Do you catch that? We did not exist. You take the woman at the well. She came up to the Lord. He asked for a drink. She said, Thou being a Jew asketh of me a drink? She knew and realized that in the eyes of the Jews, that Gentiles, especially those of Israel who had dispersed from Judah and who had intermingled with the Gentiles and taken on their identity, losing their own identity as Israel, they were looked upon as dogs. That's why Paul said, Beware of dogs and the circumcision. 
they weren't a people to the Jews. In the eyes of God, in the purpose of God, for the glory of God, in the Old Testament, the people manifested as belonging to God that God loved, carried, forgave, and lifted up was the nation of Israel. And by the way, they were a stiff-necked, rebellious people. God didn't choose the righteous, for there was none. There's none righteous. No, not one. God chose, God loved, God sustained. And we were outside the kingdom of Israel without God in the world. We could not come into the temple. We couldn't go to the holy place. They wanted to kill Paul for bringing Gentiles into the inner temple. We were apart, away, from God in this world. We were not a people, but are now, by the grace of God and the blood of the Lamb, but are now, Gentile brethren and sisters, the people of God. Semicolon, it stands alone. No, colon, I'm sorry, I can't see which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. What does that mean? Mercy. It means you did not receive that which you were worthy of receiving. You did not receive the judgment of God upon you in a way of wrath. Mercy and grace, the unmerited love and favor of God, but now have obtained mercy because the Father in Christ has brought you here. We're in the church. We've been brought into the kingdom of God. We have the ministry of Christ which teaches us of the finished work of Jesus Christ where we realize our husbands and wives and children are blessed of God, our parents who teach us and lead us, the pillars in the church we've grown up with, all these things are a gift of God and this kingdom of God where we come every Lord's Day to worship and learn more Lord willing, about Jesus Christ. God bless you.